This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Demystifying Data. I'm your host, Chris Clegg. And we're going to follow up with the previous episode that talked about measuring client and customer satisfaction. And we're going to follow that up with a short conversation around tracking satisfaction. So the idea of the previous episode was that on an annual basis, maybe every two years, you're going to want to get a good sense of how customers feel about you, how clients feel about you, what are your strengths and what are your opportunities. And you may be doing this already, or it may be just the time of year to do that because you're getting into planning for next year. You're trying to figure out what are the HR initiatives? What are the service initiatives? What's the organization going to be all about next year? And there's no better way to establish those opportunities and those ways for the business to differentiate themselves than by hearing directly from clients and directly from customers around what you need to focus on, where your improvements can come from. And if you remember from that previous episode, we also talked about the idea that satisfaction research is what we call this, but in order for it to be valuable and actionable, we really have to think about it as dissatisfaction research. We have to get at those questions, those problems, those concerns that clients and customers have. We need to get at the way in which we're handling those issues when we hear about them. We certainly want to know about the issues we're not hearing about. And then how does that way in which we're dealing with the questions and problems that people have, how does that align with their overall feelings around our strengths and our weaknesses as a business? And what does that tell us around where our priorities should be? There may be a frequent problem that we're very bad at dealing with that no one cares about. Or there could be an infrequent problem that we think we're good at dealing with, but the clients disagree and it's a huge issue when they consider who they're going to use next time around. Getting to the heart of that is what we talked about in the previous episode, and it's sometimes worthwhile to refer to it as baseline satisfaction research. And then we also talked in that previous episode about putting all of this in the context of your competitive position in the market. And when a customer or a client is thinking about their alternatives, who are they considering and where do you have the competitive advantage or the competitive disadvantage? And when you put that as the paradigm under which you're looking at where your opportunities reside, it becomes an incredibly powerful tool for insight around where your organization's chance to differentiate itself resides. And then the idea is that coming out of that work, you're going to choose only a couple things to focus on. You'll find the lowest hanging fruit or the things you believe might be associated with the greatest damage to loyalty. And you're going to focus on tackling those things. You're going to look at the next 12 months. You're going to look at how you provide resources and training and management to employees. And you're going to focus on only those things that matter the most and provide you with the greatest opportunity for gain and goodwill among your customers and clients. And so I want to talk about once you've established that, how do you track satisfaction? How do you now monitor how things are going? And those KPIs they should be actionable. They should be communicated to the teams. Your staff needs to understand what they are. And most importantly, your staff needs to feel that they have control and power to affect them. Because there's nothing more demoralizing among an employee base than being evaluated on things that you believe you have no power to control. 
So you want to be careful about how you position or think about what those KPIs are, and you create initiatives around things that employees can see as actionable. So an example of that might be your KPI should not be to increase overall satisfaction because that's abstract enough that the average employee is not going to be able to get their head around what are they doing to increase overall satisfaction. It sounds good, but it's difficult to really feel empowered to affect that directly. However, if your research shows that billing timeliness is a key driver of dissatisfaction and it's something of high importance, then focused on the timeliness of billing is a great KPI. And it's going to have that effect of creating and increasing overall satisfaction because you've identified it in the baseline research as an issue. And then the KPI that you present to the team is around measures that are going to improve the timeliness of billing. And that's something they can focus on. That's something that they can get their head around, understand the process flow in-house that is causing delays for timely billing and be able to get on top of that, fix it, and work together as a team to resolve it. That becomes very empowering. And so you're going to go through that process. You're going to establish your KPIs. And again, it's not going to be the full book of everything you could possibly address. It's going to be the things that are lowest hanging fruit and you believe are going to have the most valuable impact. And those are the things that you want to then focus on tracking. And when you think about satisfaction tracking, it's thinking about how are you going to move the needle on those particular items. And we recommend that you monitor in a survey, just like you did with that baseline satisfaction survey, you monitor in a survey over the year how things are progressing, but you're doing it very differently. Instead of the baseline surveys are usually long, they take usually 10 to 12, maybe as much as 15 minutes for someone to complete. And they're fairly comprehensive. And you don't do them very often because it's a lot of information and a lot of work. The tracking survey is, is a very much an abridged version of that baseline survey. It may be as short as six to 10 questions. And it's something that you may ask somebody to complete several times during the year if you're thinking about the business from a transaction perspective, or it may be something that you ask them to complete once a quarter or twice a year if you're thinking about it in the relationship perspective. That's important distinction when you're designing your satisfaction tracking research plan. Is this a relationship study or is this a transaction study? And it'll be slightly different based on who you see as your clients or customers. And it'll be slightly different based on the nature of the relationship and the nature of the things that you're trying to tackle from a KPI perspective. But relationship-based satisfaction tracking is going to be a research study that you connect with the same people multiple times throughout the year. And in your email invitation, when you're communicating to them about participating in the survey, you're acknowledging that this is an ongoing process. So you're saying things in your email invitation that are focused on, thanks for your feedback last year. This is what we learned. These are the initiatives that we're taking to be better and to better serve you. And so in order to monitor our progress in that, we'd like to reach out to you a couple times this year and ask you how we're doing. We're going to do that with a very short survey that shouldn't take more than three or four minutes for you to complete. And we very much appreciate your continued partnership in this. And that kind of language, that's not the exact copy you should use, but that kind of emotional positioning of the invitation letter is really focused on acknowledging that everyone has opportunities to improve, that you've heard what they've said, you're going to do things to get better, and that you want to continue to partner with them in that process. And in doing so, you may reach out to them every three months, every six months, you may reach out to them every year, depending on what the nature of things are. 
but you're going to use that to help track and monitor how things are delivering, how you're delivering on these KPIs you decided to focus on. Alternative to that is uh, transaction-based satisfaction tracking. And transaction-based satisfaction tracking is focused on an event or an occurrence or a purchase of some sort. And in the B2B space, it's usually these larger purchases so that you just finished a three-month campaign or we are scheduled to do four major corporate events with you. And after each major corporate event, we're going to give, ask you to give us two or three minutes of your time to give us feedback on how we did on some key KPIs that we're focused on. And so that's more transaction-based. And from the, the survey cadence of that is going to be one where you are providing a survey invitation after the transaction, after the event itself. And both are perfectly legitimate. And in some cases, they both happen in the same organization, depending on what the nature of your KPIs are. But just know those are two options to you or things to think about when you're organizing everything overall. Now, I can't stress enough the importance of the email invitation and the way you approach that. I got to stress the idea that you want to talk in that email about what you learned from them before and what you're doing with it. Because if you're going to go to people multiple times, there has to be a good reason for that. You have to, as a forefront priority, be prioritizing their time. You've got to make sure that they understand that you understand what it's all about for them and that their time is a priority and you need to be careful that you're respecting it. And so the best way to do that is to say what you've learned. And don't use the same email invitation with every survey invitation over the year because that's got to evolve also. So if you're doing the first one on a relationship satisfaction tracking process, let's say you're going to reach out to them three times over the year, you in the first one are going to focus on, hey, this is what we learned from the baseline. These are our strategic initiatives and what we're focused on. And then the second invitation, four months later, you need to say, you know, this is what we heard from you over the previous four months. When four months ago, when we sent you the first relationship tracking invitation, this is what we heard. And we heard that these are KPIs that are important to you as well, that these are how we're performing since we established the baseline. And then you want to say, these are the new things we're doing, or these are the enhanced efforts that we're doing to continue to improve on that. And then you let things run for another four months, and then you're going back to them again. You're saying, you know, in the beginning of the year, we learned this, we made these actions, and we saw great progress. And then when we connected with you four months ago, we saw that this is how things were progressing further. And so now we're doing this. And it's got to be an ongoing conversation that you're having. It's got to be an ongoing process that you're using to show them that this is worth their engagement. Otherwise, your response rate is going to dry up and people are going to feel like it's not worth their time at all. The nature of the survey itself from a tracking perspective, you're going to want to have a couple questions that certainly address the KPIs, the key performance indicators, to understand how you're performing against them. You want for the way in which you're measuring those KPIs to align with how you've done it previously so you can compare. Maybe it's a five-point scale. Maybe it's a categorical variable. So you want that to align. You probably in that piece want to get a, in that tracking piece, you want to get some kind of measure that helps you profile demographically the person who's responding. So in a B2B space, it's often important to understand if this is a senior level or a junior level person responding. If you're talking about a campaign that's going on over time, then you probably want to know where you are in that process with the campaign. Has it completed? Is it launching? Is it somewhere in the ongoing maintenance stage? And then you want to make sure you have outcome variables in that tracking survey so you continue to see how your performance is related to the outcomes you're trying to drive. And those outcomes may be continue to use 
loyalty or recommend intent or, or satisfaction, those kind of things. But again, it doesn't have to be very long. It can be six to 10 questions. Sometimes you can push it to 12 questions. It should be very short and easy and simple for everybody to participate because you're setting the expectation they're going to do it on an ongoing basis. And then you want to make sure you are also on the reporting sense that you're not holding all this data and waiting till the end of the year to share with folks on what you're learning. You want to, whatever that cadence is, if you're doing a relationship tracking survey, you want to be able to analyze that data after each wave of data collection and share that back with your staff. You're going to use some of the top line information in your subsequent email invitations for the next wave, but you also want to share with your staff, you know, this is what we're seeing. You want to encourage that idea that they are empowered to make a difference. And when you start to see those differences and see those improvements, you want to use that as a rallying cry and a source of motivation and empowerment that their hard work is proving to be fruitful. Now, if you're in a transaction-based situation where you're getting feedback based on the occurrence of certain transactions, then you probably want to look at the data on a quarterly or monthly basis and provide some kind of feedback mechanism to staff as well. Anytime you're doing reporting that's going to happen multiple times over a certain period of time, you want that reporting to be simple. You're not putting together a 60-page deck every month because no one will read it and you're just wasting time and resources. And in fact, the more frequent something is going to be reported on, the shorter that reporting should be so that it's something people can understand and consume in five minutes or less. Because if you are giving them a lot of information all the time, you're giving them no information. As you think about your reporting routine, think about it with those values in mind. And I think you'll find it's a little better received. And so those are the basics. That's the basic idea around satisfaction tracking and how to approach it and how it's a natural progression for your organization coming out of your baseline work. You'll finish the year, you'll be able to see your progress against your KPIs, and you'll look back on that progress. And you may choose to continue with the same KPIs in the subsequent year, or you may choose, if you feel like you've sufficiently addressed the issues, you might choose the next tier of opportunities that your baseline research from 12 months ago defined for you. And in some situations, you want to repeat that baseline every year. Other times, you want to wait every two years or so. You'll certainly know the second time you do it, how often you should do it. Because the second time you do the baseline, the comprehensive work, if the data is not all that different from the time before, then you didn't wait long enough before doing it again. And if you've done it a third time every other year or every year, and you're seeing a lot of consistency, then it may be less important to do that. I mean, we want to measure things as often as we think they're going to change. And once we've established what that change cadence might be, we can use that to affect our overall macro plans. Tracking is a fantastic thing, whether it's transaction-based or relationship-based. It's wonderful for an organization to keep their finger on the pulse of how things are going. It's incredibly powerful when positioned right with staff. And I think you would be well-served to consider it as your new year planning and as your ongoing strategy. I hope this stuff is helpful. I hope you're finding it useful. Please subscribe. If you don't, you can find Demystifying Data anywhere you listen to podcasts. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues Demystifying Data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.